2: like we always do about this time. <laughs> I was gonna rip his
3: heart out, I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless chapman there's ever been. There's no one can stop me. Lex is a conqueror, no, I'm Alexander, he's no Alexander. I'm the best ever, there's never been anybody ruthless. I'm Sonny Liston, I'm Jack Dempsey, there's no one like me. I'm from the there's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious. I want your heart, I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah.
2: all right let me give just a minute for everything to get going make sure that i'm live in the place i need to be all right there we go all right ladies and gentlemen boys and girls what's up what is up what is up welcome to another edition of the hockey
4: podcast episode number 43 uh back in the building again man for a consecutive night uh, I want to appreciate and say thank you to everyone that joined us last night as we previewed the Miami Heat. Uh, that uh, info in that podcast, is our YouTube page is also on our, um, did I upload that for audio? Yeah, it's on the audio too. So go ahead and check it out on the Spotify, the Anchor Podcast. You can catch us there as well. Tonight, we are going to continue the journey uh, previewing some of these um,
2: Eastern Conference basketball team, man. And uh, we're looking forward to it uh, tonight. We have the Charlotte Hornets on deck. We're going to be talking a little Charlotte Hornets with our guy. we going to be talking a little Charlotte Hornets with our guy, uh Spencer Percy. So um, let's see here. We can just be. audio Straighten out. Let me make sure my mic's good. Let's see. Hello, my chat two, one, two, one, one, two, Hold on. one, two, one, two, one, two. Let me go
5: ahead and on. All right, brother Spencer, can you hear me, man?
1: Yeah, I got you. I got you now. There you are.
5: Got you. Is my mic good? Is it going in and out or am I good?
1: No, you're good. I think there might might be a little bit of a delay, but but I can hear you, so so we, we can we can work with it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, again, man, my, my my co-host today
5: is uh, Spencer Percy from the BuzzBeat podcast. I appreciate him from uh, checking us out today and uh, talking a little Charlotte Hornets, man. So uh, tell me just briefly, man, a little bit about the BuzzBeat podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we are part of the the Blue Wire Network. Uh, which has got some NBA podcast, NFL, fantasy. Uh, it's got a ton of stuff with, with some really big hosts now. Greg Olson was the most recent, uh, I think, big announcement for, for the network, um, started his own pod. So, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. We cover the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, we nerd out. You know, there's there's not a lot of <laughs> diehard hard. Uh, Charlotte Hornets uh, podcast out there. It's really us and and just another one that I'm aware of. So uh, it's myself, uh, two co-hosts, Richie Randall and and Brian Geisinger. Um, So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You can check us out at BuzzBeat, um, at BuzzBeatPod on Twitter. And, you know, we've been pumping out about two episodes per week, uh, really since draft and free agency. So it's good stuff. I've been doing this writing or podcasting one or the other for about 10 years, on the Hornets uh and Bobcats <laughs> uh, a few moons ago. So uh so no bad Charlotte basketball. Um probably a little too well sometimes, but uh but it's fun. That's awesome, man. Appreciate you for joining me tonight, man. Let's
5: jump right into it, man. Uh last season the Hornets 23 and 42, uh actually ninth in the East, man. On the on the cusp of, of getting to the bubble, didn't quite make it. Uh, you're kind of in the same tier as the Hawks last year on the outside looking in. And the goal this year for, I know, the Hawks and a lot of those teams in the East is just trying to make it in, trying to make it into the dance. Uh, this year, the playoff, uh, the um, the whole thing has changed with the play-in from 7 to 10. Um, tell me some things that went good. We're, we're, let's talk a little bit about the good and the bad of last year, man. What, what were some of the things that the Hornets were did, did well?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like, considering the expectations coming into last season, I would say the Hornets, it was it was mostly good. Um, you know, I don't think that anyone saw Devontae Graham, you know, bursting onto the scene the way he did, uh, you know, to finish fifth and most improved player voting was a little bit of a slap in the face, I think, to, to Devontae, who, you know, shot under 30 percent from three, you know, his rookie season and, you know, averaged less than four points a game or whatever it was to, you know, a, se- a season later, average around 18 points a game. And really, he was one of the best volume three point bombers in, in the league. You know, so like for him to burst on the scene was a huge win for Charlotte. Uh, I think Terry Rozier came in and played a lot better um, than maybe some folks were expecting. I, you know, the Hornets kind of got made fun of when when they signed him to that sign and trade contract, but he was also one of the best catch and shoot, uh, you know, bombers in the league. And then PJ Washington, I mean, I think that probably even over Devonte was the real bright spot for for Charlotte last year. You know, getting him late in the lottery. Uh, I do not think that there were any high expectations from him, even from the uh, you know the draft scouts that really know their stuff. And he came in and showed he can be a super versatile offensive and defensive player. And I think I think PJ is definitely someone the Hornets are going to build uh, around moving forward. Um, you know, and other than that, it was like everything on the margins. I mean, the Hornets, there weren't expectations. So Jalen McDaniels, Cody Martin, Caleb Martin got in and and played some good basketball. So it's just these developmental, uh, young guys that it just feels like the Hornets kind of just hit a bunch of singles with players like that. And so if they can build on that from last season, um, with the additions of Hayward and and LaMelo ball, I mean, I I think there's a chance this team, uh, can be a top 10 team in the East.
5: Was there a situation – I know with the Hawks and teams, there's really not much gray area in the, in the NBA. I mean, you look at teams that are like kind of where the Hornets and where the Hawks are. A lot of times it comes down to they'll hang with the team, but yeah. the, the the small things, the closing out games, the the lack of defense, would you say that's kind of the same thing with the Hornets?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, though, like that's how they got to 23 wins – uh, before the season was suspended last year like the the hornets were one of the best clutch uh, offensive teams in the league which nobody would have expected like when you know if you, if you would have told somebody that at the beginning of the season you'd be like yeah and that's mostly because of Devonte Graham and Terry Rozier and how well they shot the ball late in games like everybody would have been like no way that can't be true so um it's weird because the hornets actually were pretty good at closing games a year ago uh that's probably not sustainable that that's probably a little bit of luck <laughs> but uh but like i said with the additions the hornets made uh you you would think in theory they can build off of that defense to to your other point is that was definitely a concern last season i mean they didn't have any wings that could keep the ball in front they didn't have any wings that were long and rangy um so and that continues to be um, a concern moving forward for the Hornets, but James Borrego, the head coach, he wants to play and he keeps saying it positionalist basketball. So, meaning, you know, he wants multiple guys that are 6'7, 6'8, 6'9 on the floor together um, that can switch across four or five positions uh, and really speed the game up. So, and they've got a few more of those pieces now. So, I, I think they finished 23rd or 24th in defense before the bubble, which I mean, a lot of people I think would have thought Charlotte was going to finish 30th in defense. So, I think they can build on that too. Um, but, yeah, anyways, I, I digress. A lot of luck, I think, for Charlotte uh, <laughs> in those games last season. But, you know, there was also a lot of growth. So you just kind of have to hope that that continues uh, going into this season.
5: I want to talk a little bit about your your draft picks before you get in, before we get into the roster. Um, you guys obviously draft LaMelo Ball. That is the, kind of the big uh, pick. But you guys actually have three other guys outside of uh, LaMelo. Uh, I don't know much about you guys. Had the thirty second, forty second, and fifty six. Uh, you bring in all four of those guys. Did you guys sign all four of them, or are some of them on two way, or what's the deal with the other three, really?
1: Yeah. So Grant Riller, uh, who Charlotte picked fifty six, he's on a two way. Um, the other two second round picks, Nick Rickard, Nick Richards, who Charlotte traded up in the t- into the top forty five to draft, and then Vernon Carey, both signed uh, guaranteed contracts. So. They will be on the full fourteen, fifty fifteen wherever the roster lands. They'll be on the on the regular season roster. So I uh, was a little surprised to see him spend two second round draft picks on a sin on centers, but uh, we'll we'll see how that works out. But yeah, they uh, they invested in two of those three uh, second round picks. And the kid from college Charleston Grant Riller is a really, really good player. I mean, I think that you know, draft Knicks really thought that a lot of them that maybe he was one of the more, uh, versatile scoring guards in the, in the, in the draft. So I do think he eventually will get a chance with Charlotte.
5: Awesome. Um, what are your thoughts on LaMelo, man? Did you like the pick? Did you kind of know that that's kind of where they were going? Uh, it was a lot of uncertainty going into this draft and, um, no one really knew who was going to go first or second or, uh, there was a lot, a lot of talk about LaMelo going anywhere from like one to 10. Uh, what are your thoughts on LaMelo and the pick? And then, you know, how's he going to fit in Charlotte?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. So, um, I see the talent and I see the upside. I mean, you know, six seven, six eight, uh, you know, athletic wing who thinks the game at a high level and can and can you know fling it around the court, you know, get his teammates open shots. Just probably unquestionably the best passer in the draft. So I see the upside. Um, also, see a lot of downside for Lamelo, and that was kind of my thing throughout the draft process. I just I thought that his he could, he could bust out, in my opinion. And that, that wasn't really talked about very much, uh, or at least I didn't think enough during the process. So that scared me. Um, so I, I'm probably not as high on LaMelo as most, but I do think that Charlotte ended up with the highest um, – I think it's a toss-up between him and Edwards, but it's arguable they ended up with the highest upside player in the draft, and Charlotte badly needed that. And he's – Look, he's a great fit on this on this roster. Like I said earlier, Perego wants to play positionalist basketball. You add a six eight, you know, passing point guard uh, skill set wing, and then another six eight wing, and Gordon Hayward, uh, and then you got a PJ Washington. Like now, you're starting to to you know add those wings and those type of players um, that really fit the system that Charlotte wants to run. So. I think he fits. We'll see how it works out. I have my concerns, but I mean, you can watch the film. The talent's <laughs> undeniable. We can all see it. Yeah. And I, I think I think with LaMelo, I, I don't think
5: there's gonna be a middle ground with him. Like I think he's really he, he's either really gonna pop or it's gonna be like, oh man, <laughs> we grabbed right. Him at three. But, right. I mean, and, and that I was kind of
1: yeah, exactly. That was my kind of my thing with it. I just think he's like such a volatile prospect, as it were many in this draft. I really wanted Charlotte to, to take a Kongwu. I mm-hmm. thought he was a, – a sh- I think he's a surefire NBA player uh, at the five. Um, I think there's a lot of things he can do with his game that he wasn't able to show at USC for a lot of different reasons. So that's kind of what I was hoping Charlotte would do. But, again, if it works out with LaMelo, you know, he's going to change the trajectory of, of the franchise. So you take those chances when you have a top three pick.
5: Oh, definitely, definitely. And and I think that – I mean, I think he'll figure it out. I think he'll be fine, actually. Um let me ask you about the the, the off-season moves, of course. Um, the, the the end of the Nicholas Batum experiment <laughs> in the off-season. Uh, what exactly went on with Batum, man? I, 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 didn't, I didn't see, uh, I think last year, I, was he hurt or was he injured? Uh, I know they, they gave him a ton of money not too long ago, but they eventually waived him. Uh, but they kind of turned the page on him, brought in Gordon Hayward. Uh, talk a little bit about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Batum was... Uh... It just never as soon as the ink dried on that contract, <laughs> you, you kind of knew that it wasn't gonna be great. I mean, I didn't expect it to end up like it did as badly as it did, but you know, that was the summer of 2016 when the cap jumped astronomically and Charlotte Everybody got paid. Right. Everybody got paid, like Batoon was in that class. Um and Charlotte had won 48 games the season before, and they had taken Miami to seven games in the first round. So, you, you know, now you can see where this is going. Michael Jordan's like, we got to bring the band back, and they had yeah. all these free agents in the wrong summer. So, anyways, they they inked Batum to this huge deal. It does not work out. I, I don't think I'll, I'll ever quite understand what happened to him. Um, his drive, his, inti- his intensity, his – he just looked like a basketball player when he was out there after that contract that mm-hmm. just was zapped of confidence and energy. Wow. And and I don't think I'll ever quite wrap my head around what happened, but to your question about last season, I mean, they, they pretty much just asked him to be a locker room presence. They wanted to get these younger guys minutes and they just, I mean, he played a little bit last season, but it um, he, he was pretty much understood that he would be you know riding the bench and if they could find him a new home, they would, but that was unlikely because of how big his contract was. And then, you know, that's that's the one really big, uh, I would say, black eye on, on Charlotte's offseason was having to wave and stretch uh, his remaining, uh, you know, it, it's an expiring contract, $27 million. So now Charlotte's going to take on a cap hit of $9 million over the next three seasons. Yeah, over the next three seasons. So that's now that's just dead money. You can't move it now. Uh, So you always want to try to avoid the wave and stretch provision. But that's what they had to do at the end of the day to create the cap room to sign Gordon Hayward. Um, So on one hand, I love Hayward's fit on this team. Don't love him making $30 million a year with his injury history, but I really do like his fit on this team if he can stay healthy. Um, So – it was just the process of how the Hornets went about it. Like Mm -hmm. if you knew you were going to go sign Gordon Hayward or you were going to try and you also know you didn't have the cap room to fit him in, then why at the last second do do you just wave Batum? Like why was there not a plan? And they didn't have to trade Batum to create that money uh, to create that cap room. They could have traded Cody Zeller. They could have traded, you know, miles bridges with another, you know, Terry Rozier something like that. Um, So there was other ways to get there, but it just felt so, uh, reactionary and, mm-hmm. and not proactive in, in the process of going about and getting Gordon Hayward. So um, process wasn't perfect, but I do think they got a really nice player in Hayward, and I think he's going to fit in Charlotte.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I echo your sentiments exactly. I mean, I remember that that summer, I think that was the summer uh, that we, we gave Dennis Schroeder like 17 mil a year and Ken Bazemore like 17 mil a year. And that was just the summer everybody got paid. And it's funny because yeah. – When you look back on it, a lot of those folks that got paid that 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 year, like they just got tossed around, and they were just like, okay, well, they just really just became contracts, you know? Yeah. Uh, Well, he's got he's got three more years on this contract. He's got two more years, and then you know you end up with um, Travis Slink, our GM. He 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 made it so that we had so much cap when We took in guys last year like Evan Turner and Chandler Parsons, you know, making twenty five mil a year, not playing a playing a minute and that's just that's kind of the nature of the beast but i mean with platoon you hate to see you hate to see like oh man you just gotta wave it like you wish you would have found like somebody to take on the contract or or to to make another move but that's kind of happens when you don't have a plan
1: right yeah exactly when it's you said it right when it's reactionary when you don't have a plan or or the plan comes together at the last second like it's always going to cost you a little bit you're gonna have to pay a premium right and you do anyways as a small market so um yeah. I mean, your Atlanta example, like that's, you know, what Atlanta did with, with taking in some of those bad deals. That's kind of what I thought Charlotte would do. And that's what Mitch Kup- Kupchak was saying leading up to this offseason. was like, don't expect us to be a big player. You know, we want to take on bad money and, and, and get some future assets for it. So I think that's what the fan base was expecting. So when the Gordon Hayward news came down, I was like, whoa, wait a second. Um, <laughs> gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah. And and you brought up Dennis Schroeder. And I, I think it's interesting because I can't remember the exact deal. I'm sure you know it off the top of your head. But Atlanta kind of gave him away, right, for almost nothing to just get off that contract. Right? Yeah,
5: they really did. Um, yeah. Schlink was just trying to get off the money, man, and, and credit to him because now, uh, uh, like two or three years later, you now see the, the fruits of it where you're able to bring in quality free agents. But right. I mean, and at the time, I mean, at the time, like just like the Batum signing, it wasn't really that bad of a deal. Like I would go back and forth with Hawks Twitter like, yo, like these guys may be making 17, but that's kind of what the market is. You know, that's kind yeah. of what the market was. If Batoon's making X, Y and you got a guy, you know, like Kim Bazemore or whatever, like, I mean, that's kind of what the market is. So a lot of yeah. people are upset about that. But I was like that. You can't really hate. That's what the market is. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I I mean, I kind of said the same thing, you know, what you were saying. You're kind of defending the, the Schroeder contract. I did the same thing with. Uh, with Rozier because the Hornets were getting ready to lose Kimba for nothing at the last second they worked out a sign and trade for Rozier. It, it, the Hornets pay him a little bit over his market value probably, but like you know this, 17, 18, $19 million contracts in this league, even if the player can't live up to the contract, those, those are the kind of contracts you have to have if you want to make a significant trade, right? Yeah. Like that's good salary fodder, and Rozier came in and was one of the best catch-and-shoot you know, triple players in the league. So, yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. You have yeah, to do I mean, that. And,
5: and you have to, you You almost have to overpay a little bit for, for guys. Now, if you want to have a quality team, like, I mean, you just want to make sure that you don't, like, over-overpay. Right. <laughs> like, you don't want to over-overpay. Uh, you guys brought in Gordon Hayward. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, just talk a little bit about what, what do you feel like he brings and, and how the, he'll shape the dynamic of this team. A good mid-range shooter, but he's not just a mid-range shooter. Like, he don't mind shooting the three. Like, you know, oh, he brings sure. a lot of tools. I think I think that he will uh, enjoy kind of like the uh, more being more involved in the offense, you know. Uh, but tell me what you think about the Hayward pickup and how he's going to affect the offense.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's, um, you know, he's, he's a super versatile offensive player. You know, it's funny that you you kind of brought up the mid-range thing. We were talking about this on, on Busby Pod last night when we recorded – you know and I, and I brought up the point is like yeah he he's a mid-range most of his offense i think 40% of it comes from the mid-range that's a lot especially in 2020 in the NBA but he's not like a DeMar DeRozan mid-range guy right like where he gets the ball and everything around him kind of freezes and DeMar DeRozan's yeah. great player great scorer the hate on him's gone too yeah, far Yeah we really like DeMar right? he's a good dude Yeah 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 for <laughs> sure but but Gordon's different right like his his offense comes from there but he also cuts he also you know is much better playmaking wise looking for cutters setting up his teammates you know off the ball he can play in the pick and roll so i think that you know it, the mid-range thing is not hornets offensive philosophy under james brego their threes dunks restricted area stuff they had the six best shot profile in the league last year but what he will give them more than anything else on offense i think well really two things the first thing is another playmaker on the wing which they badly badly needed and I, I'm excited about Lamelo Ball, but I don't want to hand him the keys to the car and just asking him, ask him to drive nonstop all the time. And Gordon will Gordon will get him off the ball and and, and help him come along a little, a little, a little more slower, which is fine. And then the other thing is at the end of games and clutch situations, now the Hornets have have somebody to throw the ball to and say, "Go get us a bucket." right? Like, like we can get you in the mid post. We can get it to you on the elbow and get it to you at the nail. You can face up rip and get a basket or get fouled. And Hornets just didn't have that guy last season. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing. Um, But you know, on the other end of the floor, I think he's a nice defensive player. You know, I don't think he's elite, but again, you know, you're talking about LaMelo ball, six, eight, Gordon Hayward, six, eight, PJ Washington, six, nine, you know, we'll see with Jalen McDaniels is he going to get some playing time, Six ten, like, you're starting to see it kind of come together in terms of these these switchy uh, kind of lineups that Brago can now instill, and, and that's the kind of defense he wants to play. He wants to switch across as many positions as possible, keep the ball in front, and he wants guys that can take it off the rim and go with it. We don't our point guard doesn't have to outlet, and we set up the offense like we want to. We want to run and gun, so that's why I say he's a really good fit. Yeah, I, I think that.
5: You know, everyone always talks about the NFL being a copycat league. I would say the same thing about the, uh, the NBA, because, I mean, what you just described is what's going on in Atlanta. And that's specifically why I want to have people on to talk about their different teams, because Atlanta, they have a lot of guys that are, can play multiple positions, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where the NBA is headed. This it, it, Gone are the days where you go in and, and toss it into a center and he, you know, plays off the block. You know, you got – Right. Guys that can play like I mean, like a guy in, in Bam auto bio that can guard one to five at the center position, you know. So that's why I found value in talking to these other teams, because what happens is when you when you're in the bubble of uh, Hawks Twitter or Charlotte Twitter and you hear the, all the fandom and in the offseason, your team gets better you think that you're the only team that gets better. But I'm like, no. And that's the whole reason I'm having this podcast is so you right. can see, like, no, other teams are getting better, right? Yeah. So, so when you have preseason comes out and everyone has all these overreaction tweets and we're like, well, you know, other teams did get better, you know? Yeah.
1: It's 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 my – I was saying this to Richie, one of my co-hosts on, on Busby Pod, uh, just the other day. I was like, this is my least favorite time of year is when you see all the highlights from practice or guys playing 5-0 on or taking – uh, you know, shots from the corner with nobody guarding them and everybody getting excited and be like, man, we did. I can't wait for this team to play. And then they get on the floor and like, "What? what's going on? It's like, to your point, well, everyone just got better. Like everyone's trying to build their team. It's not just the Hornets or just the Hawks. So this is my least favorite time of year. I can't wait for preseason to start so we can actually get it watch on, some man. basketball and start dissecting <laughs> the reality of everything. But I, by, the, by the way, I like what Atlanta did a lot. They have a chance to have a really 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 freaking good offense i have some questions about their defense but they're going to score a lot of points every now yeah and then. it's it's exciting
5: to finally you know be uh at a place where you're like oh you can be excited about the roster like last season i'm trying to tell fans like last season vince carter was our starting power forward on opening night That's and i love vince vince was the best and 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 some of the best experiences, some of the best stories, have been covering Vince. And but you know, he was just starting part four last year, so I should let you know where you've come from. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> makes, uh, yeah, yeah, Travis Schlink that made his vision the last few seasons pretty clear. It's Carter. Yeah, so, really uh, I'm yeah.
5: looking forward to the season, and I really just hope that they're able to. Make it <laughs> like make it through right. the season because, you know, this COVID thing yeah. is for real. And you see it in the NFL. You see it in uh, the college ranks, college football. Now they're starting to like limp through their seasons. Yeah, And the NBA, I mean, they don't play their games outside. They play their games in an arena. So um, now it's more critical for those guys to have depth. now you're like, you know what? Who is our third string point guard? You know what I'm saying? You need to look at these things. You right. so might be starting some games, you know. If, if your right. starters have to sit out like 10 days or whatever, that's the reality of it. So your team needs to be deep this year. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about uh, who you see uh, the starting five be for the, for, for the Hornets this year because you guys are kind of guard heavy. Uh, you guys said you wanted to play positionless basketball. Who do you see? And I know that could probably change based on situational basketball, but who, who would you try it out for your starting five this year?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of debate going on in Horace Hoyer right now. I think about that. I think, you know, I think, I think Lamella is going to start. I mean, I, I think he, it'd be hard to imagine him coming off the bench. So I, I think if, if I were making, you know, if I was pulling the decisions here, I, I would say Lamelo ball, Devonte Graham, um, probably miles bridges, PJ Washington and Cody Zeller. Uh, I feel comfortable, pretty confident in in all of those except for the the Miles Bridges one. I, I could see Terry Rozier potentially starting, um, and and the reason that Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham, you know, two players under six five, could start is because of Lamelo Ball's size, mm-hmm. because of his height. You know, and and you think you are going to get something defensively there, but but it'll be interesting. Um, you know, there is a lot of question question marks with just the rotation in general like where does malik monk fit now uh there's a there's still some hope that he can finally the light will finally come on for him uh and charlotte can find something there and then the other guy i mentioned miles bridges like you know i i I think that um you know I, i i there's there's just a lot of questions about where he is as a player, what his future is in Charlotte with these recent additions. And I'm, I'm sorry, let me go back starting five wise. I completely had a brain fart there. Not Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward. And in, in that's fine. So, sorry. I, it's, I weird, I it's, weird, it's
5: weird saying him in Charlotte, man.
1: I'm like, I'm, my brain is warped because I was, yeah, we were debating a lineup on the podcast last night. So let me start. Yeah. No, Lamella ball, Devonte Graham, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington, Cody Zeller. Okay. Um, now, I think the Hornets' best five man lineup um, is probably LaMelo Ball, LaMelo Ball, Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, uh, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington. So I think Cody Zeller, like that's how they'll close games. I think with the way Borrego wants to play, I think PJ Washington's going to play a lot of minutes at five. I could see Cody getting squeezed uh, out at the end of games and, and, you know, everybody kind of bumping up a position just because Rosier was such a good catch and shoot player last year. And, yeah. and so you have Hayward and, and ball on the floor. I think he's a good, good fit with that.
5: Gotcha. Uh, just a few more, man. We'll, we'll, I'll get you out of here, man. Um, we talked about the starting five. I'm not sure what your cap situation is or what the money situation looks like, but are there any guys that you see in this roster that Maybe come trade deadline, you think, oh, maybe this guy could be up out of here, <laughs> because you know. I, and I talked with my guy. I, I previewed the Miami Heat last last night, and there's always some guys at the beginning of the season like, well, if there was a trade to happen, then this probably might be this guy on his way out. Do the Hornets have any of those guys like that, or is it you guys seem pretty solid as as to who you guys want to keep? Uh, and again, a, a lot of times the money is, is a big def- a factor in this situation. So. <laughs> right.
1: Right. So I think Cody Zeller is probably like the obvious one, just because he's on a $15 million expiring contract. Wow. Um,
5: I didn't know he was making 15.
1: Yeah. It's a final year.
5: Him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 and Cody Zeller's a nice player. He just, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if he can stay healthy and Charlotte's not trending in the right direction, you know, they're not going to be a top ten te- uh, top 10 team in the East. I think that there's a chance that, the Hornets would, would make calls and try to find a team that needs some, some you know, to bolster their center yeah. rotation. Um, and the other guy's Terry Rozier. I mean, I, again, I think he was a better player than most probably thought he was going to be for the Hornets last season. He, he's he got this year and next left. Uh, he's about 19 this year and about 18 million next year. But it, it is a declining salary. If he comes in this year and he shoots it like he did last year, uh, I, that's a skill that the teams are going to be attracted to if you can, you know, if you can stomach that, that extra year, 21, 22 of eighteen million (laughs) dollars I think those are the two obvious ones. Uh, beyond that, um, like I would say that the the outliers would be like Malik monk, maybe, you know, kind of an eye of the beholder if he struggles again this year, but there's a team out there that says he's still in his rookie deal. We can, we can get his full rights, you know, bring him in. We'll, we'll turn it all around. I, I would say him. And then the other one's miles bridges. Um, He's got three years left on his rookie deal and kind of the same kind of situation as Monk. Like, is there a team out there that just says we love what he brings to the table? He's in the wrong system. He's with the wrong franchise. We bring him in at a, at a cheap deal. Um, you know, we can turn it around. So those would be the four players I would kind of circle. Gotcha. Um, you guys have a preseason game on Friday or no? Is it Saturday. It is, yeah, Saturday against uh, the, the Tampa Bay Raptors. The Tampa Bay <laughs> Raptors.
5: Shout out to the Tampa. I might have to go get me a Raptors hat, man. I'm from Tampa Bay. So, oh,
1: okay. You know, there you go. Even yeah, though I live yeah. in
5: Atlanta, I, I still consider Tampa home. Um, I'm going to get you out of here on this one, man. Is this a – what do you foresee this season? Is this a playoff team? How many wins? Do they sneak in in the playoff? I mean, the, the play-in. Uh, what, what is the final prognosis for the Charlotte team this year?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I'm excited to watch this team play because I could see them being, you know, because the like, teams are going to have injuries this year. Um it's going to be weird because of COVID. Like teams are going to go multiple games with possibly their best player, you know, out. So there's it's just going to get weird. Yeah. I think that without all of that, Charlotte is probably in that 9, 10, 11, 12 range in the East. Okay. I think there's a path they could be the eighth best team, but I think that's really a reach. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like Charlotte, Washington, Chicago, Orlando, Atlanta. Like it's kind of those five teams. Yeah. Jockeying jockey for what is basically three spots, I guess, four spots. Yeah, so,
5: the, the, the play-in and everything. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so
1: I, if I had to make a prediction, I would say Charlotte probably finished as 11th or 12th in the East. So they, they okay. just miss out on that, on that play-in. Uh, w- which also isn't the worst thing in the world. I mean, I-, I don't know how closely you follow the draft, but this draft coming up next summer is awesome. Yeah, like it is exactly. loaded, <laughs> loaded with talent. So I mean, it's, if if you just added some pieces like Charlotte and you have an exciting rookie and like things are looking like they could be good immediately, but if they're not, it's not the worst thing in the world because you're going to yeah. get a immediate impact guy, uh, this summer. So yeah, I, I would predict eleventh for Charlotte, and we're playing seventy two games. So my my win prediction is going to be based on 82 games. Excuse me for not being able to do math quickly, but I would say like Charlotte could win like 32 games okay. on an 82 game schedule.
5: That's fair. Um, I appreciate you for coming on, man. And I think we are in for one whale of a year. Um, yeah. It's <laughs> everyone always pencils in like the first six in the East, but I really feel like man, you might just take us a, a board and just spin it and just be like, I think we're gonna we're we're gonna see people think that, okay, you're going to have these six top teams, but I'm not even sure about that. You know, like we, our minds are probably going to be blown this year with, with COVID and be like, cause I mean, your star can be out for like a week or two, you know what I'm saying? And that can make the difference between uh, a really great team to a good team. And it can make, you know, a, a good team who's just average, but can stay healthy. Like they might jump up, up to like, like a three or four seed. So, to- it's going to be interesting, man, but uh Spencer Percy man, I appreciate you for coming on today. uh let the folks know again where they can catch you guys in the podcast, and uh we'll have to do this again, man, sometime maybe during the season when the hawks and uh the hornets link up, and uh chat it up a little bit more,
1: yeah, absolutely, man. Happy to come on anytime, appreciate you having me um yeah if you're if you're uh, interested for for Horn- hornets coverage, then check out at Bubee pod. Uh, on Twitter, we a pod a week. We'll probably have closer to two a week now that the season's here. And then you can follow me on Twitter at QCH Spencer. So, yeah, man, appreciate you having me, and uh, good luck to the Hawks this year. I think it's a really exciting time to follow that team. Appreciate it, man. And for everyone checking us out, man,
5: we appreciate you. Uh, make sure you follow the Hawks Beat on Twitter at, at Hawks Beat. Subscribe to YouTube. Check our Spotify, Apple
4: Podcasts, and all that jazz, man. We're out there in all the uh, the podcast
2: platforms wherever you find your podcast for the free we'll see you guys next time peace and love